So my enthusiasm of self is to walk through fear, to not put a label on it that fear is just this, or fear is just that, or fear, fear is its own entity, that it's within. I don't want any of that influence. I want a certain core rhythm and vibration that I'm answering to, that fear is, I have no time for that. One could overthink or one could not think, but to take pieces of each, it did not change my life. It does not change your life. I change my life and you change your life. And the decision to use this tool to help modify and, and enhance oneself. All you need, show up, pay attention, participate. La 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 life La 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 life Namaste, welcome to your favorite life. I'm Jeffosaurus Rex and my goal is to bring you conversations of growth, adventure and creativity. Hopefully we can shine some light on your path to your favorite life. Today's guest, Michael Catania mockingly self-proclaims as both a lover and fighter, holding an expressive philosophical presence noted by others as eccentric and free-spirited, most especially in career choices, well-being activities, and personal fashion. When he's not working as an engineering operator or being a caring father, he finds himself participating in a wide range of communities. One of these communities, which later became a consistent lifestyle, was cold water swimming. Introduced and mentored by a Russian friend, this new path created space for self-exploration and the development of an alter ego, Ginger Mike. This episode spawned from a small adventure where Mike safely and professionally guided me through a cold water swim. We then went out for a hot chocolate and sat down to discuss the feelings in real time. Enjoy the conversation with Ginger Mike and his favorite life, here now, as light. In the new definitional terms of creation, that was sensational. And that's what I've been trying to do, is take away the word cold and replace it for people with, it's just a sensation. Don't define it as cold. You know, feel that sensation, enjoy it. Learn to respect it, and when the sensation is real, get out of that water. Thanks for much. Thanks so much for being here, Mr. Uh, Michael Catania. How do you say your last name? Actually, if you don't mind, I don't uh, attend to any of those surnames. Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, we didn't go over any uh, yeah. intros. So no, it's ahead. okay. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Or... Well, Jeff, uh, you've invited Michael Anthony Catania, aka Ginger Mike, to sit with you for a conversation in regards to. Ogopogo and life purposes. So here I am. You're right. Life purposes. This podcast, your favorite life, is all about growth, transformation, sharing stories, creativity, and you know what it means to you to be on this rock in outer space. And, uh, Appreciative of moisture. That's what I'm <laughs> happy with. Yeah. So why don't you start us off, Ginger Mike, and. Uh, about our little adventure today. It was quite spontaneous and 
and then we'll get into the backstory. So yeah, what, what happened today? You came out and you trusted me with your life, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I uh, did. I, I, I put my trust in you because I've seen you do it many, many times. So I, th- this guy, you know, I can read your vibe. And Well, the fact that when we were there in that moment of trust, the last minute confusion of exactly body language, how to get out, I took that as your block. So it was like this final gesture of, well, why am I not doing this to show you the feeling of, do I go, do I want to swim today? Obviously, I want to bond with you in a certain regard of you having that experience. So it just felt intuitive to, you know what? I want to swim. I came here with the intention to swim. It's a little cold. Who goes first? Who does what? There are no rules when we're feeling out what is right in the moment. And it seemed natural for me to swim, display to you physically how to handle your confusion of possible extreme moments. And you did great. You did exactly what I did when you were coming out. Both hands on the mat, foot off the bar that wasn't going to rip off your foot. <laughs> <laughs> and you stood up. And that's, that's your experience after that. Yeah, what a great way of describing it. I like how you talked about blocks, like mental blocks. And, and you recognize that in me. Like, to be honest, the only like initial mental block was like, oh, it's going to be pretty cold, you know, am I going to be okay in the water? And then afterwards, like getting warm, that was like it. But then you started talking about like, oh yeah, be careful when you're walking, like don't slip there. Or you were like, and yeah, don't touch the bar with your wet hands because yeah, they might not come off. And uh, I was like, oh shit. Like, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you told me all this because I wouldn't even have thought about that. One thing that I've been refraining from telling people is to be hyper managerial of their stand-up moment. So instead of telling them to be worried, I emphasize on people to breathe, breathe through your moments because the lightheadedness, the brain fog that comes from not only leaving an extreme environment, but then standing up completely erect, having your body function for someone to potentially pass out or have that brain fog where they're a little wavy. I come in close, I'm there with the person, but I don't want to promote that avenue of fear to develop. So instead, I just shut that down with, well, once you come out of the water, focus on your breath. Focus on your activities. And in that, your brain will work, and then you'll get through the moment of over-congestion for your brain activity. And then that's where potentially people can pass out, you know, start to breathe too, too heavily, hyper, uh, what is it, hypochondriac? Hyperventilate. Hyperventilate, yeah. you know. There's so many things that each individual can go through that I'm not prepared for because I haven't seen every human being swim on the planet so you know i'm just being prepared with the with potentials and learning every step yeah and you did extremely well with that like you were monitoring me like after i got out and it's it's interesting it's not just like the experience for me was yeah i i have experience with cold showers so and i like cold showers because it's like a present moment it puts you in the moment and then getting in the water extremely present and then but afterwards, like getting out, you're still in that present moment. And it's not just it's not just about the dip. It's about being mindful of having you coach me and like, you know, how are you doing? Like, you know, get those gloves on and like you're keeping me in the moment and you're you're keeping me attending to my body and making sure like because it's it's not just about the dip. It's like 
you know, how do you recover? You spoke about that. There, like, I never thought about that at all. I thought I would, I thought I was just going to get in the car and like turn on my heat and I'd be fine. It was like, I was trying to put my gloves back in my bag. I couldn't even touch the gloves because mm-hmm. my hands were, they'd be like, okay. But then like I would reach to touch the gloves and because there was a little bit of moisture, like, why don't you touch on that? Like I couldn't even, my underwear was my like $25 underwear was like, stuck to the. <laughs> and that is the part that actually can sometimes scare off someone who wants to try this extreme. The, the mentor that brought me into this is a, a Russian individual who spring fed uh, swam. So in that environment, didn't have the Canadian winter, harsh minus 20s. So the culture of using the coldness of the water was something that was not in an extreme way. So for you to come out into the minus temperatures where there's nothing out there but the desert, obviously we open up this life hole. You know, we have the water freeze and thaw, freeze and thaw. That water is living in that moment. So we've taken the desert and we brought ourselves into the desert and made a life source. It's the first time, it's <laughs> first time I'm saying that, actually. <laughs> that really does so poetic. Like. So, so in that life source, you know, we, we are regenerating ourselves, but it's also from what you saw in the blackness, the depth of the water, the black, to me, that's, that's, that's death. You know, so those extreme environments... The wind, the harsh wind, can shy away from the person who wants to try this as something to have as a lifestyle. But really, you and I know that here where we live, this lifestyle is only for a month, month and a half. So why not make the most of the minus 15s, push through, get to that comfort zone. And then the other avenues of spring water or zero water, you know, this temperature of uh, plus one, minus one, that's when people can really enjoy it a bit more. And it's more inviting. It's a comfortable cold. Or sorry, it's a comfortable sensation. Whereas you and I endured an extreme situation. So an extreme sensation. And I think we both handle it very well. Yeah, it's funny because I'm like, before I got in my car to come over, I'm like, oh, well, like, maybe I should drink like a hot tea. Like, like kind of get that down before I drive over there. But I'm like, I'm going in like freezing cold water. Like Mm -hmm. is that I'm going to get cold or I'm going to feel an extreme sensation, something I'm not used to. And so I'm going to have to embrace that. And so, yeah. My um, body has become so aware of sensation that when I enter into a particular temperature, and I have a mindset of intention that I'm going to swim, my body wants to release waste. I need to go pee before I can swim. And some people have made fun of me, like our joking community, you know, trusted people. But I actually find it as, as, as my body's on point. My body knows that I'm about to endure an extreme experience, and why take waste into that experience? So the fact that I need to pee, I love it. Because <laughs> then I go in, I know that I'm somewhat as pure as my body wants to be. It's something that's been new to me. I love it. Can you comment on the different colors of the water when, you know, today it was like quite dark and you said some days it's green, you know, some days you probably get a yellow glistening and like, what does that mean to you and to other people who are... It means that each swim, each day, each moment is so uniquely individual. 
I couldn't have planned for you to come to see the blackness depth of, of danger that that water can hold. You know, if you came to swim today at uh, 10 o'clock when we saw him, there was the light of the day, the blue sky, and it made it more greenish appealing, like, ooh, underneath all that white is still this water and this life source that's, that's showing me by its color. Meanwhile, it's, you know, <laughs> minus two, zero degrees, it's very scary. Um, one of the perceptional aspects of light and color would be when someone's going into the hole that's nine feet long, the end of the hole, so the last two feet, only receives the sunlight. So that perceptional aspect of golden light, that perceptional warmth between the shade and the, and, and the sunny spot, at minus 15, there's not much warmth that's being offered there. But the perception of the golden light on your eyes, even as your eyes closed, it helps an internal fire. It's, it's your environment, the psychological effect of your environment on you. And that's why this modality is different and more immersive for the person than the bucket challenges, those that are in the trough. It's a great training me uh, mechanism. It's a great place to become comforting with the cold. But I, I found that this experience is much more full-minded. You know, I mean, obviously you can slip in your trough and you can drown in your trough. You still have to be mindful. But this is a different sensation related to nature, community, and most definitely with yourself. What's the trough? Like a barrel? or like? Yeah, like a horse trough, a cow trough, those metal farmer troughs. Yeah, the barrel, the wooden, the wooden barrel. Like even every individual concept of material that you're going to place yourself in. You know, to put yourself in a old wooden barrel that's been around from the 1800s, that in itself has a psychological effect of maybe people are claustrophobic. Um, one of the differences that I've noticed as I've uh, group swam recently, so two weeks ago I swam with a group of four people in a bigger hole, and it was such a different dynamic for me. I've been swimming on my own in this nine foot by four foot lap for for a few years now and in that I've grown comfort to my own relativity in that space so then to all of a sudden make the space bigger add a few more more bodies everything became different for me which created a confusion I'm in here longer than I normally am you know do I swim how do I sit do I talk all those things am I excited most definitely so all those things get lapped in a way and for the first time that I hadn't experienced in mine, so I'm swimming in mine, I'm active. In this hole that I tried with other people, I got muscle cramps for the first time. And that was just a new experience for me to, to deal with. But I had a community there, I was able to talk about it, and it's just, it's just nice to connect with people. That's so interesting, like getting comfortable with these sensations when you've been doing it for two years, say and then like you know doing something that's pretty radical for like the majority of the planet probably and then still feeling like uncomfortable when you're presented with like it's still getting in the cold water or the sensational water and yet it's still <clears throat> making you a little bit you know, you're thinking, your brain's starting to turn on and you're like, you know, it's different, which is cool. It's like if 
you know, you think about someone who speaks all around the world and they've done it for years, but like they'll still get nervous or they'll get like they're in a new environment, they're new people. It's always like, you know, a present moment, like being open to the flow and possibility and spontaneity. So one of your further questions, and I was going to answer it earlier with when you talked about something is um, my motivator is fear. So being an only child or having particular experiences in life that I've had, I don't look at situations as being the thing. I look at my fear. My fear is the thing. So when I go swimming, I acknowledge that I have a fear. Uh, I'm in a new environment right now and I'm speaking with you in a podcast that's being (laughs) recorded. (laughs) So I, I, I have a fear of what all that means. So my enthusiasm of self is to walk through fear to not put a label on it that fear is just this or fear is just that or fear fear is its own entity that it's within that I acknowledge and then in that acknowledgement I think what separates me from some other people in terms of the fact that I'm defined as eccentric enigmatic whatever it is that people place upon me I don't have any time for fear <laughs> fear is a hindrance a motivator towards negativity positivity I don't want any of that influence. I want a certain core rhythm and vibration that I'm answering to. That fear is, I have no time for that. I, honestly, like I, I love how you put that. That was very beautifully described, like with fear. I love talking about fear and, you know, knowing that you just got to walk through it. And like I referred to this earlier, going to the water, like, you know, I wasn't really that afraid. I was like, I've done cold showers. I've jumped. I've plunged in the water like two or three times, but then you quickly get out. It was different. However, like the only thing that started scaring me is when you said like, oh, like don't walk up and like put your hands on like, like I said, and then those blockages come up and I'm like, well, knowing that I'm going to go in the water and I might screw up, I might put my hands on there just, and I, and I knew that was a possibility, but like, it's not going to be the end of the world thing. Like, yeah, maybe I lose some skin or something, but like knowing that it, it makes me even more mindful. Like I'm like, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to go back to my breath and I'm going to walk through this fear, whatever this thing is. It's just like a little blockage that you don't have to put a label on it. I like what you said. And it really helped. Like, you know, don't slip. Like you're like, don't cut yourself. Like I'm like, wow, I could slice my stomach open on this broken ice that's under the water. Um, not to scare anybody, but mm-hmm. it, it, it just sounds more dangerous yep. than it was. But well, As you're speaking, I'm thinking, why don't I have warm water on site so that if somebody does touch the metal, don't move, leave it touched. Let me pour warm water on it so that you can release. Like, yeah, it's funny how the ideas come. <laughs> The thing is, there's probably not like a course online that says like how to do instructional polar dipping. Like, I mean, maybe there is. Maybe like, there is. In like Russia and stuff, it's more popular. Um, but those are, that's part of doing new things and being entrepreneurial and like and learning. That's great. And like we also said, like, or maybe you want to put some sort of padding on the bars where people aren't going to stick. Um, I thought the gloves were, that's probably new for you too. You're mm-hmm. like, you probably didn't always wear gloves. Nope, right? it's first year, first time. I've been using it for four times. And this is one of the things that um, I've taken on recently as, as an awareness, is that I'm an intermediary. I'm no longer a brand new novice. And I don't feel the confidence of being an extreme mentor. When people who say, oh, you're the ice man, you're a legend, this, that, and the other, I'm like, no, I stand at the precipice of fear each time that I'm doing it. 
And then I walk through that with the acknowledgement and respect of that fear through experience, through potentials. And it, it's, it's rewarding in that regard. That's to, to not take the ego to a place where I don't want to take it. I don't want to allow myself to feel like something beyond what I am. In the moment, what I am is a human being that can die in the water, a human being that can slip. I, I have to take all those labels away. I'm not even Michael in that moment. I'm the spirit of the planet. <laughs> I literally was just going to use the word ego. I said, that must be really good for your ego to be like, you know, I'll never be the black belt, right? Or, I, mm. I mean, I don't know enough about reaching that level of mastery, but like always having like a respect and like, you know, understanding the safety and like being present. And that's smart and wise. It's, it's something that's been denoted into me. So knowing friends that are safety Steves, knowing friends that are adrenaline junkies, there's a middle path to my personal destiny, my personal want that, uh, or need or, or, or whatever it is that's, that's calling for me that doesn't need for me to live in the extremes. I have an ability to be extreme, to... Ref, ref, reflect from or to disengage to to come into a ball of nothingness where there is no extreme and uh, do you want to speak about you talk about having maybe doing some other extreme things growing up or having some adrenaline um gravitating towards adrenaline but do you want to just speak about how you got into the ice swims and what Ogopogo means to you and share that story? Um, recognizing my physicality and interest in new adventures, uh, the polar dip was just something that was an appeal. Not really a need, but just like, oh yeah, if I came across the opportunity, I'd be interested. And then uh, I met a friend, a coworker. So I met a coworker who became a friend. And in this Russian's first introduction, obviously, you know, when someone calls himself Russian, it's like, oh, do you polar dip? <laughs> <laughs> My daughter makes fun of me when I talk in a Maxim accent. I don't even call it a Russian accent, but I've been hanging out with my friend Maxim and I am excited. So sometimes when I speak fast, I reapply old things that I've tried to take away. So Maxim is not my friend. Maxim is a friend. I try not to place ownership on, on anything, including friendships. And then not only is Maxim a friend, but Maxim has elevated into a certain consciousness state where I relate with him in a state that I don't relate with other friends. So to just call him a friend would be misleading. Uh, mentorship, uh, connection to the natural because we swim every day. There's a certain relationship that is uh, profound with Maxim based upon this modality that we're building. What brought me into that? Sorry. You're so great with words. I like how you describe your, uh, Oh, your how, how it is okay. that got me into it. So Max basically suggested that it was a better lifestyle as opposed to an adrenaline moment. And I was at a course of transition in my life. So when the suggestion of a healthier, more efficient lifestyle that would help my mind, my body and my spirit was presented, I thought about it, 
I rejected the polar dip and did not do the polar dip. And I waited for March to come around. And in March, Max introduced cold water swimming. And not to say that I was hooked, <laughs> but I found what it is that I needed. And then I built and built and built and built to something that I didn't even expect, which is where we are right now. Can you describe your first swim? So I swam for the first time today, and I want to know, uh, did your fingers do what my fingers did today? No, because it was March. It was the thaw. Um, I don't really remember anything much of it other than a photograph that was taken beforehand <laughs> where I'm literally straight as a board, and I'm looking down at Max. And all that fear all that anxiety, all this feeling of, do I belong here? It's all in that photograph. And it, there's something about that person that just doesn't even exist anymore. It's really, but the actual swimming, the actual in the moment, the actual everything, I don't remember any of it. It, it just seems to have so many swims that that first one just doesn't stand out compared to the geese that fly overhead at a certain point in November. The sound that the ice makes crinkling the wind that's coming through the structure that we've built like all those things take such a a stronger narrative in my life than one moment where i decided to take a step like i don't remember my baby steps am i supposed to remember my baby steps <laughs> obviously not that's so true like you said that person doesn't even exist anymore that's so interesting that's deep and yeah, it's like sometimes we don't... That person may exist for other people in other people's realities because they don't know the transitions that I've been taking, the work that's beyond just swimming. That's beyond just the superficial aspect of what someone sees as a surface. You know, I've, I've had one person say in their judgments, oh, you get to swim all the time. What are you talking about? There are times I don't want to swim. There are times that the question of consistency... Is, 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 is a big question to me. Why am I doing this? And then I get to a new plateau, a new stage. I get to a, a, a ramp of energy. And I recognize that uh, it's not just swimming. It's not just a leisurely activity. It's a lot of work to apply consistency to something that is at times extreme, motivational to others, and then also spiritually relevant. I think I mentioned to you at New Year's I wanted to go to a swim, but my personal energy did not reflect what it is that I wanted to bring to a community. So that analysis of mental health was only present because of the cold water, because of sensational aspects of living. So to harness what is the right step, it comes from an eternal gut feeling that I've boosted with this modality. So for me to stay away from the New Year's Eve, the New Year's Day swim actually benefited me more when I did come to that group a week later and introduce myself on a certain stable basis while still being transparent as to why I did not come the week before. Walking through that, swimming through that kind of lifestyle, not everyone's willing to be accountable for themselves in each moment. But this is the teaching lesson, accountability accountability and breath as i'm talking to you right now i find that i'm almost out of breath because i'm not breathing yeah stomach ribs i have to acknowledge clavicle. 
kind of what you did in the car before we got here. You're like, I have to say one more thing before we go in. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, why can't we just go inside and then you tell me? But you, I think you, uh, you recognize like the change of the moment or something. But uh, yeah, you acknowledge like this opportunity and thanking me, and I really appreciate that. And I well, if I missed that on Mike, I did that in the car when we got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. I was just going to say, you know, you have to, it's, it's important to recognize you said like, why am I doing this? Like, yeah, like it's so many numerous ways, so many numerous ways that you're, why you're doing it. And also, you know, I wouldn't have gone in the water if I hadn't met you. Like mm -hmm. I would do the community polar plunge. I've done it two or three times and I don't really feel like I need to do it anymore. But that was a lot different, like going in there, like mindfully. And so I honor like this relationship and that you, you know, you were out there chopping the ice. You had to get your ax out. You had to chop it like and it's it's not just about the dip. There's a lot that goes into it. Safety. And, you know, I really respect and um, appreciate that opportunity because that was uh, I could still feel it now. Like I'm warm, but I'm like, like this isn't just a post cold shower. Like I, I know what the feeling of a post cold shower is like. I feel like. I'm I'm literally vibrating in front of you. Like I, I yeah. feel like pulsating. Yeah. I feel my blood work, and that that's 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 good. So quit just quickly on this story because I want to. We'll take more time to learn about uh, Mike in a second. <laughs> I want to tell you a quick story. I went to a little music concert on January 1st and it was at Sugar Ridge. Mm. You ever heard of it? Mm -hmm. It's in Tiny Township. It's like a retreat center. And this guy was doing a concert with Crystal Bowls. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And this instrument called a Santur. It's like from Iran, I believe. And there's like different versions of it, like in Asia. And it's kind of like, let's see, I can't even describe it, but kind of like chimes, bells. Um, anyway, so he's got like the Santur, he's got a harmonica, he's got silver, uh, singing bowls, crystal bowls, and then he's got gongs behind <laughs> him. And like, I thought it was just going to be like a crystal bowl thing. And I got there, you know, you lie down, you get comfortable. And the first half of it was really pretty. It was like very melodic and like he's got the harmonica going with his santour and it's just like really pretty bringing you in yeah it's <laughs> like very colorful and pretty and then he did that for about half hour and like you feel so like innocent and like nice feelings and then when he stopped doing that and you know he's like a spider he's doing it with all his, his whole body he's just in it and after he's done that he walks up and he hits the gong and I don't think I've ever heard a gong in person. And it's funny, like my first thought or feeling was like mortal combat. <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> have you ever played that game where it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. However, like the gongs were like dark and like vibrating and like, right. And so like I was, it was completely like yin yang, the opposite of like the pretty colorful sounds at the beginning. And I had this like legit psychedelic experience, spiritual experience where like I knew I was looking into my eyelids and like totally relaxed, but I was also somewhere else. I was mm -hmm. like, I knew I was there. He was hitting the gongs, 
but I, I felt like I was around this fire. This guy had like a chime there and it was only about 30 seconds, but like I was somewhere else and I was like, I don't know what's happening right now, but this is interesting. Yep. And what I wanted to tell you though, is when it was all done, he let out this sigh cause he was probably like exhausted. And then he said he doesn't really know how to end things. So he gets kind of like sad cause he's like a nostalgic person, but it was so quiet at the end that I didn't want anyone to say anything, even though I wanted to like talk about the experience. And I felt my whole body, what you just said was pulsating. Like I was a whole heart mm. and like, it was just like, boom, boom. And like from the gongs, from the Santur, the harmonica, my body. And like I was driving home, I felt like I kind of just drank coffee. I was like stimuli stimulated and like I was like rebooted. So I totally, if you ever get a chance, check out David Hickey. He's, that was incredible. And you would love it. it I was, think I would. Yeah. And like there's just, there's something about that sound of silence. And you can kind of hear that when you walk out in the water, like I'm sure you're very familiar with it. So I love going down to the lake, something about just the non obstruction of like all the buildings. It's just open space. Right. So the wind has, the wind's not hitting things, I guess. And you know, there's no cars driving around. It's this. Well at the Bogo Bogo here I am for so long building what is described as a wind wall, but only until recent that I realized, Ooh, this is a sound wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it keeps sound in. Even the snowmobiles that go by, you can hear the change as they go by because it's, it's, just, it's just a sound wall. It's not just a wind wall. It's a light wall. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Can, so what is Ogopogo? Ogopogo is an appropriated term uh, meant to... Well, I don't know what Ogopogo itself as the term was meant to do other than create a commercial um, interest in, uh, in what was considered a spiritual creature that uh, looked over the land. So the indigenous term Nahait was um, the description of an energy that's overlooking the Okanagan Valley, the region. And then in the 1920s, when colonialism happened, um, to liken with the Loch Ness Monster of Scotland, they, and I mean European settlers, created Ogopogo as a term to describe the phenomenon that is a natural reoccurrence of a wave that happens in a lake based upon a certain geographical positioning. So it looks like a serpent's tail, apparently from a scientific background. So if you take the scientific background, you take mm -hmm. the, the, the Ogopogo appropriated term, and then you look deeper into the phrasing of Nahayet, um, it's like a chant. So all of that together, that's what it all means to the outside world. For myself and people that I've come to know, Ogopogo is a positive affirmation welcoming oneself into the water, making an acknowledgement of a spiritual presence. It's just a fun word to say, Ogopogo. Taking it one step further, because I am of a consciousness that sometimes I don't recognize is present in society. When I'm in the water, I acknowledge the, the indigenous term of Nahayat. 
and I say it three times, to bring breath in, process it, and then breath out. And that final kind of calming of energy brings me into the water. I felt like there was uh, something wrong with saying ogopogo after I realized that it was an appropriate term. I felt that there was something maybe um, insincere of me using nahait without understanding what the meaning of that word is in terms of a breathing factor, in terms of an acknowledgement of spirit. So instead of screaming, oh shit, <laughs> or having anything to do with an outside presence of influence, once I'm in the presence of a spiritual entity of water, and I'm about to enact my being with that, Ogopogo all day long. Great story. Great description. Yeah, you're, you're being very respectful and being as present as possible. And recently I've uh, watched a uh, documentary in Japan. Not that I was in Japan watching the documentary, although I would like to. Um, I was watching a documentary about a Japanese scientist who did experiments with uh, positive affirmations onto water and then the crystallized aspect of ice. I forget the exact procedure, but positive water or sort of positive affirmations into water produced a crystal with uh, elaborate design. And then negative connotations into water produced crystals that were not so shapely. And then water that was left alone was completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so this feeling of what does Ogopogo mean it's just a connecting aspect of energy between myself and nature. And that's what I'm going with. Yeah, connecting with nature. Right on. And I describe nature as water. You know, when you said in the beginning, welcome to this rock, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad it has moisture on it. Because I've been explained by another person that, you know, matter has a certain masculinity to it. Mm. Water has a certain femininity to it. Put the two together and we have a planet that seems to work with each other. Yeah. I like how you said recognizing that there's life under the water and this life source here. That's like a good metaphor, like an iceberg or like, you know, being very familiar with the water myself, like paddle boarding, dragon boating on the water, swimming in the lake, growing up in Barrie. And then being able to just walk out on the water on Campbell Bay in the wintertime, mm -hmm. it's surreal, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you walk, if you walk wherever you walk, you walk way out or just shallow and you're standing on top of like a space where in the summertime it's impossible for you to stand. And it feeds a philosophical soul, most definitely, you know? And then actually like cutting a hole and like, going somewhere where like you're not really supposed to go it helps recognize like what's under the surface of like your dreams or whatever like you know sometimes you need a reminder of like what's there that you can't always see like there's must be great metaphors for like you know the walking on the wa water in the wintertime or walking on the ice, swimming in the ice-cold water. and 
Well, part of my understanding of why I would be selected for a podcast with yourself is that I do have a wide range of how I'm viewing this experience. A part of my humble aspect of, I don't like to put vowels together, so humble aspect, I don't like that, just saying. A part of humility is the fact that I feel Max should be sitting here with you. I feel that a friend who's not got as much swimming experience but an RMT has the science of what cold water does to the body. That person should be sitting here. This feeling of not having enough is something that is within me. So in my later stages of life, I may not have been as enthusiastic in earlier stages, but in later stages now, learning, learning for the sake of communicating experience so that other people have the benefit of, of, of error. As I say, I call myself error because in recognition of path, there's a respect for your errors. You know, they're necessary. So I'm hoping that some of the things that I've endured in life um, may be considered uh, educational or thoughtful or spiritually relevant to have someone else find a resonance of peace within as I am finding. Yeah, and I watched an interview last night where the person said, oh, I, I don't want to talk about that topic because I don't like to talk about anything I haven't researched extremely. I, I, I sound like a dumbass each time. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I feel like it would be dishonest to the audience. However, like, that's a different scenario. Yes. Like, you know, yes, you're like promoting it, but you're just sharing from your experience what it's meant to you and the people who live in this area are going to be able to, and who have met you, are, are going to be able to connect with that. And all you're saying is like, hey, I've been doing this and it's changed my life. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested, I'd be happy to, you know, share my steps, share my journey and like, you know, let you see a little bit of the shallow end. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then if you're even interested, we can do it together too. Like you swam with me today, mm -hmm. right? It's like, you're always learning and you don't have to be an expert. And like, at what point is one person an expert, right? You're always learning. So, well, in that case, it did not change my life. It does not change your life. I change my life and you change your life. And the decision to use this tool to help modify and, and enhance oneself is, is the factor that draws us to this choice. And that is the core of essence. Again, vowel to vowel. I don't like it. <laughs> but core embrace, being. Embrace that uh, imperfection. It's, yes, it's, I'm, I'm embracing the fact that I'm not a university, you know, scholar. But basically, you know, to, 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 to allow yourself to, to be what you are in the moment. So to, to, to be a novice, to be brand new in every aspect of, of, of being. And that, that comes with humility. And I've had to learn a little humility in life, I think. Because I was once a cocky individual. 
Yeah, actually, that's a good segue. I was going to ask a little bit about Little Ginger Mike mm. and uh, as far back as you want to go. But I'm curious to y- your story that I haven't really heard. So, like, you know, I want to know kind of like some significant moments in your life that started putting you on different paths. And like, I like talking about childhood because that's something that I've been trying to tap into a little bit more recently. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes it's good to learn about our childhood from our parents, you know, or, or relatives who were helping raise us and siblings and give us a little idea of what we were like. Do you want to maybe tell us a little story of where you're from and what you were like as a kid? And I had a nice childhood, I had a loving mother and a loving father. And, you know, even in separation, you know, I, 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 from a divorced family, um, not having a stronger relationship with my other side, finding peace in that, finding a comfort has been something that, although a long-standing journey into adulthood, it still was found, and I'm very appreciative of it. But there was a time growing up outside of what would be considered the normal structured home, so a, an undivorced family. So in the 70s and the 80s, maybe it wasn't as common as it is now. You know, I, I took that on as being broken, um, just different. One of the memories I have would be music styles. You know, what would be considered cool rock and roll at home wasn't really played elsewhere. So this feeling of who am I? Am I the same person there while I'm listening to country versus the same person at home listening to rock and roll with my mom? Having to find that line of energy was something that is still the effort. My mom tells me a story of being six years old, carrying a Bible, and being very calm and peaceful with my words and just being of a nature. And my memory is that in the Catholic school in which I was a part of, there's something about oration, people talking that I really like. So there's something about that that was hitting me as a young kid. And I I think feeding me this isolated aspect of only child has helped my spoken word has helped my want of being a part of a community instead of the re- like uh, instead of this feeling of oh I, i'm not belonging so i don't belong there I, i'm i'm all alone all those feelings that come to you because of the polarization of the mind the fact that you can go left and right in order to find the middle i've had to explore left and right and explore what it means to want to be a part of a group to be accepted as part of a group, to be this Iceman person. But also that comes from not taking it so serious because I've also been rejected from groups, not allowed to be a part of groups. So this creates a middle being that is an appeal to others. And I'm thankful for my childhood. Very... I don't want to say happy... (laughs) I don't want to say sad, but I'm very emotionally attached to how it is that my upbringing has created this soft-spoken person that can get really outrageous at times, hence the eccentricity. So when my mom describes a person that was uh, with a book and walking around, I find that I have a shy 
personality that I that I don't like, so to speak. And in that shyness, um, I've created, I've always helped to create Ginger Mike. Something that was just overcompensating for being shy. So I would apply extra ego just to compensate for the fact that I was actually shy and nervous. And then like anything, you know, the ego is more appealed to people at times. So the Ginger Mike character seemed to grow and run. And now that it's kind of gotten beyond myself in a certain regard, I, I'm finding out who this light is without Ginger Mike. Or even who this light is without the identity of Michael Catania the Canadian. You know? All these political factors that are happening in 2021-22 has really made me appreciate that I am of an eccentric character. So I can feel left and right, and the middle seems much more profound to me. Hence, cold water swimming, sensational living, should be the middle path for everyone. Great stories, yeah. Not that I'm telling everyone to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Like the middle path, yeah, like in exploring both sides. And especially if you were come from an upbringing that went really well and like sometimes you, people don't get to explore the other side and like traveling did that a lot for me and just spending time with different people different ages different cultures and and then um you, you kind of become this blended light as you like to refer to yourself like that well the blended light comes from also a dark light so even all of this um glorification of of an experience there was still a darkness in which that I needed to explore so with an unfulfilled notion of physicality or connection or acceptance um, in union with another I made mistakes or I chose a path that caused uh, energy fluctuations into universe. Again, O and U, vowels together. But basically, all jokes aside, um, after a 19-year relationship with a wonderful individual and a marriage, um, there was a divorce. And, uh, and as I'm speaking about a marriage and a divorce, I'm getting a call from my daughter. <laughs> yeah, we could pause. Is that we touched upon my daughter's phone call and marriage and divorce and me saying that that swimmer person doesn't exist anymore becoming a father and all the relationship changes and within so the relationship with myself changes becoming a father it's been one of the most telling aspects of my influence into the world so obviously influencing a life so directly has created this this understanding that i influence others not just because they're my daughter but because i have that power so becoming a father gave me a sense of power and as i'm becoming more this entity of man because I identify as a man I think the word power probably has like a negative connotation 
Like, like, oh, you don't have powers, like, controlling. However, like, there's a sense of, like, a good side of power and uh, when to knowing lessen. when you... Yeah. Sorry? When to lessen. So when power is not there, when you have to take power away from yourself in order to have someone else's power influence you. That's part of fatherhood that's been really learning for me now is that there's so much that I'm going to learn from my daughter, from her experiences in life, from our interactions. That's, uh, that's taking away this pre-notion of I'm the father, I'm the guide. And it's not like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's been a learning thing. And you said changes the relationship with yourself. Could you comment on that? So being a younger Ginger Mike without even the word Ginger Mike, certain, not aggression, but it was me against the world feeling. And then having a daughter, the world is a part of me. <laughs> and then seeing daughter energy in others, I recognize that I, I, that I have a nature of influence that is more profound than other people. So for me to nurture that part of myself has been something that is the here and now. So when I was doing my first time swimming, I don't remember it so much because I didn't think that it was going to influence anyone. My daughter was present, so I was influencing her. That's, that's what I remember. She was there. This feeling of becoming Ogopogo, this, this whole thing, no, it didn't exist until the feeling of influence took over. And it's like, oh, wait, you're influenced by what I'm doing? Well, here, let me refine it for you. Let me show you the benefits and the pitfalls. And then finally, I've had this unique experience of seeing an Ogopogo. So as I was describing the Ogopogo to you and all this and all that and the scientific tale that's in the water, no. Supernatural, unexplained experience occurred for myself and a friend in which we saw something that was undescribable in a certain regard. July, seven years ago, where we saw this black object in the gray water submerged and as we saw the submerge we heard swaswoosh and it sounds like this fairy tale of but we stood back from the dock's edge because we saw something real and it gave us real tingles and it was like what what was that i don't know what was that i don't know i don't know what time is it 304 304 i got naked write that down no i got naked and i got in the water i collected the energy of whatever this supernatural experience or this moose in the water or sturgeon fish, all the things that have been explained. Kempenfeld Kelly, whatever it was, it gave a motivational presence beyond the explained. And then that influenced someone else to call us Ogopogo. And then that reference beyond the explained became influential. Where every time we heard the word Ogopogo, we would laugh at ourselves. Because did we really see it? Is that something that was real? And then now, how that word influences others, when it related to what it is that I'm doing, I'm feeling like I'm more than self. So I'm acting with a better sense of self. And it's something that started as a father, I think. Not that I'm a father to you, 
but I believe that I fathered an experience for you today. I walked you through something as a guide. For sure. And also, I'm a little effeminate. You know, I, I do recognize the sensitivity, emotional self. So I do have a nurturing aspect of being that is, I'm not going to say maternal because I didn't give birth. <laughs> but I have given birth to ideas and concepts and notions of energy. I was literally just going to say that. Yeah, giving birth to what you can physically give birth to. And I'm going to go deep <laughs> for humor of everything. Yeah. Recently started uh, nude yoga. Okay. Yeah, and, let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. I've been to and Germany and I'm, I'm used to the, the different ways. Well, I'm, I'm very, very new to it. I've only done three classes and I haven't had a chance to discuss this with my yoga instructor into depth. But we did some Kiyong, and there was a, a moment in the shaking and the, the bleeding of self into yourself in which I became aroused. And I jumped out of myself. I literally stopped what I was doing because the association of arousal is generally with sexuality or a blood flow of reaction. So, I mean, I've had reactions of uh, excitement, physical excitement from eating food. Oh, me too. So this feeling of, okay, well, that's, it's still pleasure. So I'm, 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 I'm from a pleasure zone, enjoying something that wasn't activated from a certain want. So hard on for me is usually generally related to the want of sexuality. So here I was completely nowhere near sexuality and trying to escape from attachment to my body in that regard. And then my body reminded me, hey, wait, no, I'm still something that's separate from your mind. And here I'm going to respond. And I was, I was offended that my mind attached, to, attached sexuality to it. So I jumped out of the moment, <laughs> lost my heart on, lost my connection to the, the, the spirit within. And it was, I was disappointed in myself. This is, this is the new step for myself learning as to how my body is, is not something that's supposed to lead the way. It's mind, heart, spirituality. But the body, the physical response of the body, I, I don't believe that that's supposed to lead the way. So, for instance, if it was just the need for me to swim because I needed to escape my life and it felt physically good to just swim, I think that's the wrong reasons to escape to swim. Mm, I don't know, yoga and breathing and this detachment from this physical being that you see is something that I'm working on lately. And I like it because it's, it's a wonder. But at certain points when you're trying to be humble in your being, it, it's, just, it's just a weird relationship having the world look at me, this feeling of the world's looking at me, is the world applying sexuality onto me because I'm having a what is defined as a sexual response? Yeah. So it's just something that I'm working through as to if my body is frustrated, does that mean that I have to be frustrated? So the, the breathing and the learning of self is at 47. I'm trying to really hone in on these next three years of getting in touch with myself so that 49, the seventh stage of living, is something that's much more rewarding to myself to be beneficial and rewarding to others. So that when I am having a physical reaction of a heart on, it's something that's understood as to why am I having it. 
And when I want an excited member of activity for sensual response, it is there. So believe it or not, without the intention, sensational swimming, the cold water zap to your body is something that I have found enhances my blood flow circulation and I'm happy with my response physically to cold water swimming, spiritually, mentally. It's a full package as I'm dealing with this full package within that's so confusing, this weird body as my instructor defined it. The helpful agent from Sarah Jane, thenakedyogi.org, was the heart beats, the lung breathes, and the mind thinks. I don't need to attach to the thoughts that come to the mind. And I don't pay attention to every single heartbeat that happens. Although I am becoming much more mindful of my breath, there's a certain mindfulness that's creating a routine of respect for my breath. So I don't, although I am trying to attend to stomach, ribs, clavicle, and then stomach, ribs, clavicle, and release, I find it frustrating to be managing every breath. So I'm hoping that eventually with this training, with this style of living, that it's starting to happen automatically. I love what you just said. You said paying attention to your breath, your heartbeat, and your mind, like those three different things. It's like... But not attaching to them. Right. And so like... But the percentage of that is probably so different where like paying attention to your mind is probably like 90%. And then breath is like, if you're lucky or like mindful enough, it's like 3% and, or even, but like paying attention to your heartbeat, like, because you can't hear it as well as your breath or like even feel it for most people. I know like when I was in the mountains because it was so silent and still, it was so silent that you could hear that heartbeat mm. or after the music story, I told you like the pulsating. So I, I think that's such wise advice. It's like we listen to our mind all the time and it's good to do that and good to take breaks from it, but not just listen to your breath, like next level, like try and tune that, that out and just pay attention to your heartbeat. Well, you being able to uh, control your heartbeat and lessen the anxiety that the heartbeat is feeding the rest of your body is beneficial in the moment that we had today. If you were to just listen to your heartbeat and focus on your heartbeat, you would have been going a, mile, a million miles a minute because your heartbeat's like, what's going on here? What's going on here? And oh. you're going to respond that way. Same thing with your initial breath when you get in the water. <laughs> if you allow your breath to control you <laughs> the entire time, and you're going to be, I need out of this water. You know, so to take control of all those things, even can take control of the thought, I don't need out of this water. This wa I see other people do this for three minutes and I'm wanting to get out at 30 seconds, I'm not going to listen to that thought. I'm going to let that thought pass. I'm going to find a different analysis. I'm going to use all three. I'm going to use my breath. I'm going to use my, my beat and my heart. I'm going to use all these things. I'm going to use my mind. You know what? All three are aligned. Now's the time to get out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm surprising myself sometimes with just how it is that I want to slow things down and get through life. Yeah, like this moment right here, like I'll take a three second pause just to 
you know, we're here right now and we're doing this podcast. We're present. And, you know, sometimes I catch myself running down the stairs to like, I'm like, why am I running? Like, you know, just it's quicker to get up the stairs, you know? I have a significant and, story, a real one. 40 flights of stairs. I was in an eager to go get my phone. And I'd never had such an injury as I'm about to tell you. Got to the 39th flight of stair. And sure enough, that's where I flipped. And I hurt myself. I remember hurting myself. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'm okay. And I limped to the car to get my phone. I remember reaching for the door handle. That's all I remember. I asked my body to do too much in a pain management situation. So I was putting away the pain of the, the ankle, the fall against the concrete. And I was like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. I need to get what I need to get to. My body stopped me. I woke up to flakes of snow falling on me and a door wide open. And I was like, wow, whoa. Got my phone, I called for help, and I got someone to help me. I got my ex-wife to help me very compassionately. And it was a learning lesson to, to listen to all those factors, not just the one, the mind telling me, I got to get the phone. Mm-hmm. Or, or the body telling me, just stop, just stop and just bear down and just stop everything. The spirit of, of, of humility. Oh, I'm down. I'm out. This doesn't spiritually feel very well. This, this is a low end. You know, all those factors together. I don't want to rush down. <laughs> I don't want to speed down. I want a pace where I acknowledge every step. So that 40th step, that 39th step is just as important as that first step. You do that well with your words, I can tell. And isn't it like you probably heard this? If you're not feeling good, if you're like feeling depressed or tired or like, you know, you just feel crappy, it's like good idea to check in with your mind. What are you thinking about? Is it like what you need to get done that day? Or like, is it something that happened that hasn't been resolved? Because often like what you're thinking, it's like a biofeedback mirror or it's telling you. Like, what did I feel? That's, yeah. that's why my body is feeling like this because of what I'm thinking. What and did I feed myself in my mind? Yeah, mental diet. What did diet, I feed yeah. myself in my spirit? Did I wake up this morning feeding myself low spiritual energy? Or did I do things to capture spiritual energy? And then, I mean, one could overthink or one could not think. But to take pieces of each, I think <laughs> that's what helps us relate, you and I. You know, we're both on that uh, idea of what does it mean to, to not go too far, yet also not do nothing. Find that middle ground, like you said. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, let's shift gears and... Uh, Take me to Jamaica and Psst. tell me... Uh, Give thanks and praises. I mean, you named your daughter Marley. Like, Give Is that related to uh, Mr. Bob or what? Yes, it is. Actually, full out. I totally recognize that if I had named a daughter Marley, then I would lessen an instance to yell and be negative with her. Ooh. Didn't really pan out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she would attest to that. But yeah, there was something in a vibration. Maybe it did. 
maybe maybe if you didn't it would have been even a lot worse than yeah. what i perceive as being right yeah deep <laughs> um but yeah growing up in inner city toronto um there was a certain um draw of opposite so opposite for this face persona in that culture would have been afro-american um listening to rock and roll the opposite in the neighborhood would have been not hip-hop at that time but reggae you know so this feeling of being lured into um a culture that was distant was there for me and funny enough i found bob marley when my parents left toronto although i always knew bob marley i always had a reference of it i actually at 18 when moving to barry I totally pushed away Barry and I was like, you know what? I want some of my Toronto. I want this. And that, that, that's when I really got into reggae, really got into a certain vibration that related to feeling of outcast being in Barry, taken away from an environment in Toronto. And then it seemed to resonate even more, even though I had this, I remember in 1980, I think when Bob Marley passed and then also John Lennon, both of them, I remember looking at their, pictures knowing they had passed and in the confusion of looking at eyes the confusion of what death was when i was looking at a life picture you know that would have been if i was born in 74 it would have been five or six maybe seven so perceiving death at an early age gave me an intellectual chip i guess so always knowing who bob marley was always knowing who john lennon was having this uh influence right there waiting for me it had to be me that accessed the true benefit of what that figure would offer so when i moved to barry i really took on a certain energetic flow of what does it mean to have reggae and then that stayed with me and when i had a chance to visit a place on the planet jamaica was it and in that experience a lot of my inner city not trainings, but inner city growth, learning about being punked off. That benefited me in, in Jamaica. Not being lured down into the wrong street. Having the confidence to, to listen and learn. Walking on the lit side of the street versus the unlit side of the street. You know, going to Jamaica and not being in a uh, condo protected environment, but being in the, the city, having to walk through the city to get to the tourist space. It really was an eye-opener as to how I was developing into a world citizen long ago without even knowing it. So growing up in Toronto favored an opportunity to marry an Argentinian, develop a best friendship with a Colombian. I can go on and on, <laughs> but there was something about getting to Jamaica and feeling my inner city roots that I am not this Caucasian face that is always first judged. And that has been an appeal for me. I guess when I met Maxim at 40, I had never met a Russian. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I was prepped all my life of culture conditioning to be the one person who was like, yo, Russian berry guy. <laughs> <laughs> You've just met someone who's willing to see you beyond this Barry resident who is a foreigner of Russia 
I see your soul. And Maxim and I have really, you know, blended on that consciousness level of, of, of I am different. He is the first individual on, and this is the first, what I, oh, I can't believe I forgot this, but Max's compliment on my first swim. So you're asking what I truly remember of the first swim? Max turning to me and saying, you, Mike, you are like world citizen. You are not like these Canadian zombies. I don't say that as, an, as a negativity. I say that as a reality. And I don't say that as like it's just in Canada. There are individuals, groups, entire persons of, of unity that want to disengage, that, that, that don't want to see the reality of, of pain, mm -hmm. physical pain. They do not seek discomfort. And that creates a zombified energy. There's, there's the discomfort of a relationship with an individual, the discomfort yeah. of relationship with nature, the discomfort of your internal combustion. Yeah. These are all things that we have to, for the sake of betterment, welcome. So, so I, I truly believe that going to Jamaica and walking through <laughs> Ochos Reos uh, was truly educational. I have not returned and I have not walked through Kingston, <laughs> which is a completely different environment. Did you do, did you do Duns River Falls? Yeah, Duns River oh, Falls. Right on. And I would like to say that that was something that was spiritually related to my water journey, but it didn't stand out. At that time, water was just a fluid for me. It was just a substance. I didn't really see it as what it is that I see water as today. If anything, I took more resonance of experience. I resonated, no vowels, I resonated with experience of visiting Bob Marley, who would have been considered lack of water, dehydrated, a corpse. So this journey to an island of water, mm -hmm. finding coffee, Blue Mountain coffee, you know, all came from this this relationship with death. Wow. <laughs> Wanting to visit Bob Marley. <laughs> Crazy. I don't know what it is about like other cultures. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about where I can't speak for Canada as a whole. Like even when a Russian is saying that, you know, he's lives in Ontario, like in a small city. And I do it all the time too, where I, try not to generalize Canada because like with a lot of the indigenous culture, like they dance, they express themselves, you know, they have ceremonies, they are acknowledging pain and things like that. And they, whereas, yeah, because we're like this blended nation, but we're kind of like reserved here. Like I went to the Russian Banya in Mississauga and like, we're sitting there drinking tea and there's these Russians that are just like having the best time ever. I'm like, I guarantee you it's nobody's birthday party. This is just a living a Saturday. Yeah. They're just, and they're just like, it's like you're in the Caribbean, like in the Caribbean, they're like shouting, they're telling stories. People are talking over each other. Right. And like, 
I talked about this in the last episode where sometimes with good listening, like, you know, you want, don't want to interrupt. Like you wait till the person's done talking, but some cultures like, you know, dating or being married to someone's from Argentina, you said, I didn't know that. So she was from Argentina. Like she's probably got this Latin uh, fire a little bit in her, I'm sure. And again, I'm generalizing, but that's my association with Latin culture. I'm sure not everyone from Latin has this like fire in them, but yeah, there's something about being Canadian and not everyone. I have to keep saying that, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like we're stereotypes apply, but aren't rule of law. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I got in the sauna the other day and this like, this guy came in, I won't say like what type of person he is. I don't know how to describe him. Like he was, could have been from India or something. I don't know. And he came in and he was like, Oh, what's up brother. And then like we chatted just briefly and I'm a pretty open person. Like I, I like to have conversations and I like to break the ice and like, because it's like, are you going to go in an elevator and like, just look at the person and say hi. And then like, don't make eye contact and like, Hey, I'm a guy. It's a bit different being male. Wait, and like, as per 2022, that is the requirement, please. Do not speak to another person. Please put on your mask and look the other way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like elevator may not be the best example, but like if I'm going to be, and you don't always have to talk with the stranger. Yep. I mean, I hate that. That's a terrible word, stranger. And like, however, like, you know, you're both existing in a space together, whether it's on the elevator or you're in line, you're in a long lineup and like, yeah, maybe you want to read your book, listen to your podcast or just relax and not think about anything. Um, maybe you want to chat up the person. I got a better example when you're on the airplane. Here's an example. You get on the airplane, you sit down, you've got 10 hours, you're going across the world and you're sitting beside this person. I don't care who you're sitting beside. You know, they could be 50 years older than you. They might not speak the same language you as you. should acknowledge their presence with a hello. <laughs> yeah, and, and most people probably do. Uh, I'm sure there's probably like rare that probably don't say anything, but most people probably say hello and maybe they say like, you know, where you're going and stuff. And it's funny we're talking about this because like, again, you don't have to talk to people the whole 10 hours. Now, if that plane starts going down, like that person and you, you crash on an island or something, like... <laughs> that person's going to become one of your best friends and like survival partners. You're going to bond. And so I think like, I don't know where I got that drive from probably a past friend who passed away, who was very social. And like, I remember him saying, Jeff, go talk to that girl. And I've been shy at the time. I say, Oh, like why? And he's like, because you can. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to tell you just quickly though, when I went to Europe for three and a half months, and like, I was ready to come home, but of course, like it's inevitable. I'm going to be a bit sad in my whole being. Mm. And like, I'm ready to come home. I'm excited to come home and I get on the airplane and I get in my seat and I literally like some tears started coming down and the stewardess came by and said, excuse me, are you traveling by yourself? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, we have a seat available up where there's more leg space and and I looked up there and I was like, oh, I don't think there's any TVs there. Like, this is a long flight. Like, I knew there was a, t and I actually don't want, usually watch the TV on the flights, but I was like, just in case I wanted to. And I looked up there and I was like, you know what? I better go up there, like more leg space. I get up there. Another girl 
got asked the same question. She moves up there. She's from the Philippines, I believe. And usually I'm the one start chatting up my seat partner. She talked my ear off the whole flight home. Nice. I wasn't sad. I made this new friend. We talked about travel. Boom. The flight was like that. Yeah, it was yeah. like an eight hour flight. And I was like, we became friends, exchanged Instagrams. I went to a concert with her. Nice. Like living, true living. Yeah. You never know. Not like, to be stuck in the mindset of this is the only path for me. To allow the universe to be suggestive to you and then go with it. Yeah. If I hadn't have said yes to that, like, you know, maybe I would have chatted up the person who I was sitting beside, but I probably would have like cried a little bit, which would have been like cathartic, but like, you know, and I would have had some good time to digest. Like the planes are always good, quiet time to reflect and digest the journey. Um, just basically back to going full circle is like, again, you don't have to do it every time, but when you're next time you're in line, like, and you have to, you have to be good at it. You have to be, or you have to take the time to learn about conversation yeah. and the art listening. of conversation. Yeah. That's why the I love, art of the moment that, yeah, that's why conversation love, is not needed sometimes. Yeah. And like, you know, you can't just start chatting up the lady who, or man who's doing your groceries. Cause there's people behind you, like, you know, the right setting or the host who's at the restaurant who's really busy. However, like being able to like break the ice and like, you know, ask a question that is like meaningful and maybe like, have a little slight connection. You did that when we were at Simmering Kettle. Like, you had a nice moment with our waitress. And, like, you know, I'm sure it made her day. And and actually... I've gone I, back there since. And, and apparently, Ginger Mike strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> when someone serves me food, when I have an interchange, it, it seems to have a memorable or a lasting effect. And I thank you for bringing me there because they are great people. The owner, the, the staff, the food... It's nice when like-mindedness transcends every border. So our like-minded relationship, our energy that is together, has now fed me into a space where I am receiving nourishment from the same like-minded energy. You know, it, it's really, it gives a full circle sense to it, like it's meant to be. Yeah, we're nourishing each other right now. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of times where um, I have a relationship with a, an art mentor. His name's Norman. He's 87, and I've known him for um, coming up to 10 years, I guess now. And um, there's Norman, Norman, the art man. Norman Goldidge. He's a really... He, he was what I considered a version of me that was sent back in time to enhance myself. So I literally thought that it was me being <laughs> sent as an old person, huh. into my midlife. Anyways, um, I don't know why I brought up Norman, what we were saying. We were talking about acknowledging other people and creating conversation. I was going to say, like, especially when you're on an airplane, like, that those pilots just flew you home or mm. they flew you to your destination. I always do my best, whether it matters or not. If I, if, if I notice the cockpit's open as I'm walking out, I say, thank you very much for taking me home. Yeah. You know, we just take that for granted. I mean, if you have the luxury of getting on an airplane, mm. however, like, that's like one little thing you can do. And, and, and learning about conversation. How do you, like, listen to people and how do you navigate a conversation? And you never know. 
also was going to say about influence, you know, you talked about the power of influence and sometimes you become aware of it. Someone will thank you or acknowledge like your presence and that you really influence them. Sometimes you won't, sometimes you will later on. And like, you never know what kind of influence or how much influence you can have on other people. And sometimes you'll never learn it. It just, it, it happens. That person might see Ginger Mike going in. He may never speak to you. Are, and you, are you ready for a fear that I had today? Yeah, let, let's go for Coming it. Coming into here? Wow. Will Jeff finally see how boring it is that I find myself? Will the listeners of a podcast decide, turn this Ginger Mike off? <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, the lure of self and the feeling of, ooh, I have all this or I don't have anything, it's, it's, it's a shift. So as much as I have a lot to talk about, a lot of experiences, the manner of my influence is something that I do take seriously to the point where it almost eliminates my silly sometimes. And then I throw extra on the silly to compensate for the fact that, oh no, am I too serious? And then I get out of balance. So to be invited here to speak, I've kind of taken off this, these, these balancing weights and managing, <laughs> yeah, managing being an influence without weights. So you're asking me questions. You're leading me into a place that I don't know if the viewer is going to get a, a whole cohesive package of <laughs> who this guy is. And I can't care about it. What I have to care about is that you and I are enjoying something that is a production. We're producing something. Yeah, creating. Yeah, and that for me is really a segue into my next stage of influence as a, an elder, as 47 going on to 49. I used to think 50 was a number, but 49 is a much more substantial number for me. So I, through Jamaica, through a failed marriage, or as I like to remind myself that I chose a path of error so great that I was actually successful in the destruction of a relationship. So the marriage didn't fail. I was, I was successful in harboring a failure from the start, not being in tune with myself as I entered into such a sincere and deep relationship, the learnings of coupling. And I, I know that we're talking about so many different things. And for us to be more um, structured in a podcast that's related to particular topics, I think we're just here exploring how it is that we've had a connection, yeah. our creativity, our now active physicality in cold water, and then this stage of of submission, like uh, being the person that I am, it, I choose to submit, just like I've chosen to submit to water, chosen to submit to Ginger Mike. It's been something that's been like, I'm gonna trust Ginger Mike. What? <laughs> but I'm doing that because so many people have trusted the Ginger Mike character from a ride to a concert to an energetic conversation. And for that, the ginger Mike, the Michael, the asshole, whatever it is, there's a light here that has been described to me as an intermediary, intermediary character of learning. So it's not about the cold water. It's not even about me. It's just this light that is willing to be vulnerable. That is the most exciting thing to watch with anyone. How does vulnerability shape the reaction of this person? Oh, wow, they're singing. How does vulnerability shape this person? Oh, wow, they're offering love. 
this has become what I think is more of a destined purpose to myself, to others, an allowance of love. It's great that you are so well-connected in community and you can create these relationships and share and bond. Oh, there's haters. <laughs> <laughs> Lots there of them. <laughs> there always will be, I guess. And I like what you said, taking the balance weights off, that sparked a trigger for the Eat, Pray, Love movie or the book. There's a part, I don't know if you, have you ever seen that movie, Eat, Pray, Love? You know, this woman goes to Italy and then India or Bali, India and then Bali. And she's, she just got divorced and she's trying to find her way. And, you know, she is able to find balance in her life with her meditations and everything. And she meets this guy who's like the guy of her dreams. And he's like, come on, like, I, I got a date set up for us. We're going to go on my boat and go to this island and have a picnic. And she's like, I can't. I got to go do my meditation. I got to, I got to, you know, keep this balance. And there's this line in the movie about, you know, sometimes you got to let go of that balance in order to grow or to exactly what you're doing now. You applied so, that balance weight at a time when you needed it. And here you have grown and you're still using that balance weight, which is actually furthering an imbalance because you've grown out of that weight. Um, right, the weight, the, the weight just changes, yeah. You don't actually take it off, you just... There's two movies that I thought about while we were speaking, because it, it's a matter of what's influenced me and what I've influenced. A long, long time ago, Apocalypse Now was a great one. Stanley Kubrick films, uh, Star Wars. There's a lot of things, but recently, um, My Octopus Teacher, it's a great movie, and finding Ferdinand, I think, is the phrase. It's a, it's about a person who seeks the director, Ferdinand, from a long time ago. Anyways, both those movies have allowed me to recognize that the influence is really important to pay attention to. The influence, again, two vowels together. So, to heighten influence, I put a the in front of it to make it even more substantial. But influence is everything. How I affect others and then others affect me. How a movie about the role of how a director influences people can then be taken into myself to say, well, I'm a director of my life. So how I live my life is influencing people. I'm a raver. We haven't covered that at all. When I say I am, again, I am, I don't like that phrase at all. I'm trying to figure out something other than I am. But I like how you look at the camera. You're like, <laughs> I to talk to the audience. they are here. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, so in being, there we go. Instead of I am, in being, in being a raver, I've recognized that in my elder state of age, 47, and raving, the youthfulness, what does it mean to be around younger generations? It means that at times you don't touch anything until you're invited to touch. And when you are invited to touch, what does that invitation mean? Ooh. So one of the things that I'm proudful of or I'm recognition of, because pride is something that I'm trying to also, it's something to look at, but I recognize that in my photographs, I don't touch people. I'm so harbored of energy that it's always... I'm enough energy, so I don't attach to people. And while 
there's a connotation that I'm potentially in a rave scene for something other than what I know that I'm there for, the photograph showed. You can see it in the eyes of others that stand with me. So the influence, again, the influence. Let it go, bro. Let it. <laughs> You're right. I'm not going to get a grammatical <laughs> diploma by the end of this podcast. It's impossible. Influencing is something that is daily, moment by moment, in every photograph, every post, and in the self moments. That's the thing. After watching a... <laughs> This is going to be extra. But after watching a documentary on water, I don't want to pee down a toilet. I don't want to pee down a toilet because I don't want to send water molecules that have memory, water molecules that are alive, into such an abrasive, unhealthy network of pipes, chemicals. Why would I want to do that to water that has lived me, that has sustained me for whatever it is? The water's in me for a day, two days, however long that... Things pass through me. It sounds like the silliest thing. Why am I worried about <laughs> wastewater? But it's still water. It's still a part of me. It's still living. Is this documentary called Water? <laughs> this documentary is called Influence. <laughs> really? I don't know. No. What's it called? What's, you said you watched a water documentary. Oh, um, The Secrets of Water. The Secrets of Water. Yeah. Is that the same where they talked about the... Thinking, then oh, interesting. Okay. It's the same one that I have to rewatch because I. There is again these vowels, man. They're getting me. An opportunity to be interviewed is also at my doorstep. Um, I introduced you to Christian from Uncovered Berry, and in that interview, because it's more focused particularly on the Ogopogo and the swimming. I want to bring out some quotes from Michelangelo. Michelangelo, I never knew, had a relationship with water that's profound. So seeing this documentary and hearing several quotes and several um, relationship bridges, I, I want to bring that out to the public. So I'm not going to bring them here, but in a future date, quoting Michelangelo would be something that would feel like I've done my job. I've not just learned something. I'm not just experiencing something. I'm not just benefiting from something. But I've taken the step to reach out to the past for other learnings and influences and bringing them forward for the benefit of, of unknown. And that's the best question. Why are you doing this? I get that at the dock all the time. <laughs> like from... Uh, from people watching the cold water. And from uh, the Tom Hanks movie... Uh uh, for, uh, run for it. What's the movie called? Run Forest. Uh, uh, why are you running? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just. Well, that's the answer for me lately. Is why am I doing this? I don't know. There's a consistency that's calling me that I don't know. I don't know what 70 looks like. So I'm working towards I don't know. So if you're asking me, why am I doing this? I don't know is the best answer because I don't know what 70 holds. I don't know what 20. 32 holds. So to be consistent with something, to be involved in a community, I think it's the best way to approach 2032. I'll be 10 years further into something that I feel is going to be there because water is going to be there. Water is changing constantly 
and I've, through the documentary, looked at what is the unknown, the fourth state, and that's transitionary water. So water that is freezing, water that is thawing. So many different states, right? Yeah. Like, that's what's it's interesting about water. So yeah. the power of the, the freezing, the power of the thawing, the temperature relationships, that is something that the body responds to. So I, I, I like that as a gauge. So when it comes to freezing and thawing, we're looking at that minus two spot. I like that. I like that water. It seems to be very absolute. And in that absolute, I can then gauge how the air feels. Oh, I just came out from the water. Man, that breeze ain't so much of a breeze because I'm back at my base. I've come to touch minus two. How does my body feel? I've touched that base. So those three factors, the body, the water, and the air, creates this natural observation. The fourth power into why would anyone do anything? 10,000 options after I know the natural base of self. I'm healthy. My mind is here. What's next? Underwear off. Crocs on. <laughs> What's next? Breath. You know, all of this simplification of existence. Yeah, you couldn't have said it you couldn't <laughs> have said it better. It's I think that's one of the best things we can do is find the moment, find the breath, find the presence and and be here because be here now. And I love that phrase by Ram Das, except he challenges my vowels. Be <laughs> here now. Oh, it's all relevant. There's no vowel that backs to each other. Oh, what is oh it's the audience. Here. The audience is gonna kill it's, you for the vowels. No, no, no. It's this one. Here <laughs> and now. I don't like that one because it's it just doesn't glow. But be here now. It's good. Works. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I think this has been this has been wonderful. By the way, my OCD is playful. Okay. I if I really had OCD, I just wouldn't speak. <laughs> I was going to say, you mentioned Michelangelo and we were talking before the podcast about Tecumseh on the wall and just how I feel like it's not as represented, like indigenous culture isn't as represented in the Barry community and I'm sure like other southern parts of Canada maybe, but in the north for sure. But something about like if you're making quotes from Michelangelo or just sharing indigenous stories or things that you know indigenous ways and it's nice to verbally uh, bring it to life and if you don't have to put up a big statue of you know a hero that was indigenous but maybe talking about it and like you know knowing a little bit about the people who lived here for thousands of years before us and yeah and so that's kind of like why I have it up on the wall. I, I asked you right away, and, and do you I, have an indigenous background? And the truth all, is, we all do because oh, we live here. <laughs> but I was thinking more genealogical. And the fact that you don't, but you're taking on the genealogical factor of the land, 
has impressed you to feel confident that you are connected to something that blood doesn't define that you can't be? Yeah, I mean, maybe my... Definitely one of the connections is my parents have been going to Manitoulin Island for 40 years Mm -hmm. since they were 20. And a lot of indigenous cultures or the Ojibwe, I believe, call it the Great Spirit Island. And they believe that all life started on Manitoulin Island. Mm -hmm. And so I think going up there as a kid and having some indigenous influence as a kid and then like you know i've been there for 20 years now i think that's like a little bit of a connection and also if you notice like i've got the prayer flags here which are very present in nepal and tibet and like kind of blending those cultures i mean what they represent like these flags represent good vibes for your neighbors your loved ones, your enemies, Mm. you know, good vibes for everyone. And they're all over the land everywhere. And they wave in the wind and they bring your, your dreams and your good wishes to the heavens. And then, you know, and then you think about indigenous culture, like take care of the earth, you know, Uh, we don't live on the planet. Like we live with the planet. And I think, uh, yeah, I think I like trying to, I'm a, like you said, uh, I like what you said, instead of saying I am, in being a world citizen. Oh, (laughs) influence just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love doing these conversations too, because like I get to learn, you know. And And they exist. You just looked at them. Yes. (laughs) You know, take a break from learning from a book and from a phone. Like I get to learn from a fellow human and. You're right. Like in being a world citizen, I've done quite a bit of traveling and I like trying to to blend cultures and because there's a core of all of it that mm. is in unison. And well, I, whether you're leading me somewhere, I'd like to be able to. I wasn't. So go I, ahead. But we I'd can. like I'd like to say simply in preparing self for ice hut chats with ginger mike which is a space that i want to go to and this more character um, definition i've looked to uh, outside sources for influence as to how i want to appear on camera and i had to recognize that these are people that have influenced me shaped me so i'm going to share the quotes that i've recognized take the lead ready yeah Don Cherry, head up, keep your stick on the ice. Bob Marley, one love. Wim Hof, all the love. (laughs) And then this one is a little extra because it doesn't even have something. But in Monty Python, um, Benny Hill, a, a certain humor that comes from 70s, 80s television, Cheech and Chong, all these comical heroes for me. (laughs) It's from a Benny Hill show. And it's about the bigger guy tapping the smaller guy on the head. And what does that mean? (laughs) It's certain physical actions between people. 
that are allowing without insult. So taking those four people together, I would be happy to know that I influence those without degrading, taking away a sense of dignity, having a presence of being that's beyond the definition of the name. Yeah, that's... I mean, there's so many people. Yeah, that was very beautiful. And the thing that Norman, art mentor, it's a great day for living. Any day above ground is a good day. Well, days underground are good too. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where we are. We are underground. We're not at that level of out there on the surface of the world. We are on a harmony that is suppressed at times. For sure. Acceptance. Peace. Expression. Everything. It's, it's, it seems like it's underneath a crust of superficiality that it's just all good. No, it's not just all good. You know, the world climate to influence a small sector that influences another sector changes a climate that you don't know is experiencing on the other side of the, of the world. And that's where hopefully Ogopogo or Ginger Mike or a spirit of someone looking at these eyes when I no longer have the ability to live. So what does it mean for a youthful spirit, a young person, a new life to look at my eyes when I'm not here? I'm hoping that that has the same effect that it had with me. You analyze death. Death is real. Death is something to work towards. So instead of chasing the sun and, and living life, a glorious death, a singular death, a death that is associated to a feeling of peace and self-acceptance, an influence towards others. That, I feel, is where I would like to be. A death of peace. Well said. Mm. <laughs> well felt. <laughs> yeah, well felt. I should say that more. Yeah. Jeff, I, thank you. I don't know if we're coming to an end, but yeah, I gotta say just, it. But just I'm feeling thank you for letting me say that. <laughs> just before we go, and maybe we can save this combo for next time or after hours. It just made me realize as you were talking about death. Another topic I really like talking about is that once you pass on, wherever you go, the influence that you've had on the people that you cross paths with in your life and the environment that you cross paths with in, in your life, they now have pieces of you in them. And I'm going to take this, I'm going to wind this way back that like you sitting here and me sitting here, we have influences of like generations and where this collaboration of just on and on and on and on. And we're both sitting here and we're like, oh, I'm Jeff and you're Ginger Mike. But it's like, no, I'm this like this connection that goes 
you know, to the starting of humans or whatever. And so that's, that's interesting, like a legacy, right? And to think that a connection can go to the ending of a human. So the fact that a human at death can find peace with themselves because they've learned something that in unintentionally or intentionally has been passed on, it's, it's, that's the ultimate. That's the absolute. Whether we know or don't know that death happens, something, blah, 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 blah all those things, it's an absolute that the body stops moving. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute that that body can't speak to you after. So those absolutes, I've, I've become comfortable with them a lot more so than it's the almost, confusion. Almost like that should be on everybody's agenda during their life is to be able to find peace um, before you're like in a bed or something mm-hmm. and like trying to figure it out then. So you left our listeners with a great quotes from your... Uh, favorite influencers <laughs> we just ended on like a bad death like, <laughs> like, i didn't even get to this ginger mike is a wonderful character he's uh super silly also and we didn't even really half uh, blind sometimes what? half blind sometimes we didn't even really get to uh to see that maybe in this podcast this was a very uh, intimate podcast and so maybe the next one we can uh, hear some funny stories and uh, because I, that's something else i like about you is you're very expressive and uh, kind of your own uh, your own thing, your own light. And I think that's, when you bring that to the table, it makes me laugh. And it, it feels so good to laugh in life. And like, this guy's just being him and doing his thing. And it's it's contagious, like <laughs> socially contagious. Yeah. And and so where, where if anyone wants to reach out or if they're interested in coming to watch some of the ice dips, water dips, um, like I said, Mike was an incredible teacher and instructor and made me feel very safe i would highly recommend watching first and and knowing like what to be safe about it is but if anyone wants to reach out what are what's the best way to at this time i have an instagram it's ginger mike 07 and that's just a thing ogopogo life on instagram is a thing ogopogo life association would be a group that's forming at Dock Road Park in South Barry, and it's growing. It's and growing. I've, I've, seen I've had people come from Aurelia, from Toronto. I'm I'm having travelers, uh, people in Brazil watch and promote Belgium. It's been very, it's been very uh, surprising the you, reception. You found one of your things. Yeah. So keep keep watering it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stop on that one. <laughs> yeah yo but yeah thanks for being on your favorite life and yes uh, your favorite life please choose your your favorite life by listening to your favorite life jeff you got such a great uh, radio voice eh? oh this is one of the things that i wanted to come and develop here was my radio voice because i just want to be on the radio (laughs) all right friends hopefully you learned something new For more information on living your favorite life, head over to yourfavoritelife.com for connecting or booking a coaching appointment. If you'd like to leave me a review, I'd love to consider your feedback. And if you resonate with this energy, follow and subscribe, tell a friend. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And have a good life. Be kind, be curious, and be creative.
Catch you on the flip side.